Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. Charleston was once the rage History has turned the page The minute the current thing goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee The grocery stores are supermodel Up to war Electrically they keep a baseball store And the beat goes on The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain la da 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 Grandma's sitting chairs and rim on this. Boys keep chasing girls to get a kiss. The cars keep a going faster all the time. The beat goes on Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain La-da-da-da-dee La-da-da-da-da And the beat goes on Yes, the beat goes on And the beat goes on afternoon everybody <clears throat> it's uh five o'clock 503 in fact it looks like our uh, bumper entry song is about three minutes long my wife thinks it's 20 minutes long but <laughs> i said it gives me just enough time to get into the groove and uh make sure i'm sitting here at the seat and we go on um this is a show that we call a cup of joe oh good backup becca's here 
we have a screener. Appreciate that. Somebody needs to hunt down our amazing uh, normal screener, non-compliant Mary. She's being non-compliant, as her name might indicate. Um, anyways, this is a show. This is a podcast. It's a, it's a live feed from Facebook. It's um, trying to think where else you can get it. So you can get it by calling directly, 646 646- Nine two nine two four nine five, and that will connect you directly to our backup Becca, who is taking care of business right now. And you can call in and tell Becca, hey, I'd like to talk about this, that, or the other thing. If it has anything to do with cannabis, if it has anything to do with civil rights, if it has anything to do with the threat of loss, the loss of the the consequences of the the problems with the civil rights violations that come from prohibition, please let's hear what you have to say. We've got a lot going on. We have um, Glenn and Peggy Keeling that are suffering from a case that just got postponed. Peggy finds out that she's got an indictment on a case that was previously dismissed, and then all of a sudden... Oh, and they get a message saying that they're going to uh, arrest Glenn, the husband, and then the first court date gets put off. They don't get informed by their lawyer. They don't get informed by the court. They get informed by the newspaper reporter that they were in touch with that just happened to check the court records. Um, Seems a little funky, a little fishy, a little problematic. But that's what's going on right now. This is what's happening in Ohio, where they have a law that says you can possess cannabis and be protected by this law, except for when you're not, except for when the sheriff doesn't like the law, except for when the prosecutor feels that uh, this should not apply to me. Um, That's what's going on. So... I'm about to share this live feed right now. It's being broadcast by Lisa Wooldridge, who is the Vice President of the Human Solution International, and I'm going to be sharing it to my public figure page, and I'm going to be typing just one word that says live. And so rather than interrupt this live feed, I will be able to see it. Um, So anyways, uh, that's what this show is all about. This show is about giving defendants a voice. The show is about uh, bringing people together to make a difference in the world. I'm in the process of building a dream team, a team that's unlike any that's ever been assembled. And this team has to do with my personal life. This team has to do with my business life. This team has to do with my activist life. This team has to do with all of these elements of life. And what it includes are very special people, very amazing people, people that have decided in one way or another that it's worth the effort. And I wish that wasn't an exceptional trait, but it turns out it is, that it's worth the effort to make the world a little better in one way or another, or maybe in multiple ways. And to bring people that have specific strengths together for specific purposes, that's what we're doing here. And 
one of the reasons I do this show, hell, I'll tell you this, and I've said this before, I do this show if not for any other reason but to give Craig Cecil and George Marcherano a few words to, to speak to the public in an open forum because George didn't get that for 32 years, and Craig doesn't get that on a daily basis. And any other inmate that's locked up unjustly uh, where their civil rights have been flagrantly violated, such as Craig Cecil's in a situation, the more I learn about his case, the more it pisses me off, the more I understand about the way our justice system or legal system, as the people in the know might call it, as there is very little justice to be had. You don't have to be a criminal to be accused. You don't have to be a criminal to be charged. You don't have to be a criminal to be convicted, and you don't have to be a criminal to be incarcerated. Sometimes shit just happens. Sometimes the dice don't land your way. Sometimes a person of influence has a hard-on for you and has the ability and the means and the time and the wherewithal to have you put out of his misery or her misery. Sometimes it happens that way. But the difference is we live in a world where information is harder and harder to suppress. We live in a country, whether you like it or not, put it up against most of the others. And be honest, and you'll find out that it actually measures up pretty damn good. Yeah, we have problems, but let's be honest. Anybody wants to have a conversation about our country, let's just make sure that we're honest about it. And I certainly don't condone any of the shitty things we've done as a country or do today as a country, but that's our problem. We let it happen. We continue to let it happen, and until we stop it, it's on us. You can't blame the people we elected. Whether you voted or not, you elected them. So it's on us, folks. It's on us. So we're going to talk a little bit about this and a little bit about that, as the tease for the show might have indicated I've got a good friend and uh, quite an ally and a, and a connected guy. And actually, to be frank, the guy who gave me this radio show, who's sitting online right now. And the guy's name is Bobby Rodrigo. And if I was to take Bobby Rodrigo and align him with any specific organization, I couldn't do it accurately because he's part of every organization that I know of and most of them that I don't know. But he is this. He's a friend. He's an ally. He's a member of the Human Solution International, an actual card-carrying member. And he's part of the UCCA, which is a coalition that many of us brought together. And he's also part of the Coffee Party. And the Coffee Party happens to be the group that gave us this show. So in a moment of gratitude, I thank you, Bobby, for that, and I give you time to speak, although I do that anyways. I just try to qualify things when I can. Bobby Rodrigo, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm driving down Highway 22 in Puerto Rico. Just came from the island of Vieques, uh, which is uh, uh, a an island uh, outside of uh, Puerto Rico that uh, has no power. The entire island, four miles wide, 21 miles long, 9,000 people, 10,000 horses, and they have no power. They are completely. The island is completely powered by generators. And we're running into the ninth month of the storm. So, you know, I'm out here pounding it. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, it's great to be by. I was driving, and, you know, I thought I was thinking about our call, our, 
our, our strategy call, and, and I looked at the clock, and I'm like, wow, I should call. Imagine that. I'm actually available to give a call and say hello. And, you know, and I'm like, and so, so the timing is really good. And I got to tell you, everybody, okay, so, so first of all, so first of all, I mean, it, I appreciate everything you said, of course, always. But, you know, I have to, I have to amplify you because, you know, the, the U.S. Solution International is Joe. You know, it's his baby. You know, it's from the heart. He's out there busting his butt. Um, he's carrying heavy loads, and, and we need to help him. Uh, and we need to help each other. We need to help everybody. But we need to help him, everybody, seriously. I mean, this is serious talk. You know, we, you know, we are advocates, activists. Uh, you know, we all have jobs and everything. And, and But, you know, we're defined by what we do, essentially. And we have a chance to, to make a change. I don't care if it's one person's life and, and the disaster relief work that I've been doing has been a big reminder of me of that. But, guys, we, we need to help. We need to help Joe. We need to help the people that are involved with the U.S. National. And with this live broadcast on my Facebook page, I take liberty with my coffee. So you can all leave the U.S. Solution page and go to my page and watch Joe right now live. Because Lisa is very good at making sure that his show is broadcast on my page. And I really like that. <laughs> oh, Becca is. One of them is. Somebody is. Lisa, Becca, somebody. I love it. Because, of course, we're connected and, and everything. But but in all seriousness, though, the stuff that's going on in, in Ohio, uh, Major, uh, we're reaching out to some groups out there, Awaken Cincinnati, uh, Heather Lucas, there's some great activists and organizations on the ground. Um, I'm talking to the Pontiac Tribune, uh, independent, independent Media, the Fifth Column News, Justin King, um, uh, Shannon Watson. All these people need to be supported as well because they tell the truth, uh, and, and they are um, – from the standpoint of their personal life, their anti-prohibition, anti-tyranny, and all that other good stuff. But they support our work, uh, right for the Fifth Column News um, as well. But they support the work, uh, and, and uh, they're going to come in and, and uh, lend, a, lend an eye and ear and give us a forum to talk about what's going on in Ohio on this case uh, with Peggy. And, and it's just anything to do with prohibition. They, they reported very well. Uh, so I just want everybody to, you know, go to Pontiac Tribune has a Facebook page, Just Column News has a Facebook page. Support them because they're out there swinging, uh, making sure that everything that's going on here, uh, their coffee party allies, their cup of joe allies, their we do better allies, and all them other things that we're doing. And how the hell are you, man? <laughs> you know, I'm doing great. And you know, it's it's interesting. One of the one of the mantras that that we've been saying forever, and I know you've been part of these conversations is. One of the most important things that you do as an organization or as a representative of an organization or just somebody who cares is you just keep showing up. And I think that that's ultimately as much as efforts that we've put to accomplish specific goals, which we've, we've done plenty of that, but I think, frankly, the most good we've done out there is our continued presence, and I mean that truly, our presence, our being there. Not just you know that's how we met. That's how we met. body out there, but to be there in in heart and and have boots on the ground and eyes in the field, and to be aligned not just in some coalition that has a website or whatnot, but to actually you know when you show up at an event and you look around and you see people you recognize because they're showing up at the event too. And they were there at the last one, and they were there at the other one, and they weren't there at this one, but they were there at the one you weren't at. 
that's where the reality of this starts coming together, and that's where the, the true the truth of the movement comes from those of us who just keep showing up. And I remember this, and I'll I'll, I'll make this point, then I'll shut up for a second. But when we first started, almost ten years ago, uh, we put on an event. The very first event we did called the Freedom Fighters Fundraiser, and we were raising money for my case and another case that was out there. And there was a guy that was a, a well-known activist, and he was a, a, a disabled rights activist, a cannabis activist, uh, and his name's Bill Britt, and he's been in the community for a long time. And at the time when we first started this, he showed up as a guest, and I was so proud of myself, and I've told this story before, but I, it's just a bit of history. you got to keep telling it. And, well, at the time the event was done, those of us that were the volunteers, we were exhausted. We'd put in hundreds of hours of time and it was finally over we were just like collapsing in a heat sitting in my patio smoking the last patty of the day looking at each other i'm like what do you think bill did we do good and he looked at me and he smiled he says we'll see where you are next year and i just like fuck you you know but at the end of the day i took that as it was intended and i realized that yes you're right just me putting on one event and doing one thing one time is just literally it's not even the opening. It's literally the knock on the door. And then the next year after that, we did it again. And we had another event, and I he showed up at that one, spoke at that one, and I said, how about now? And he says, you're doing good. Well, <laughs> several years later, after I was in the thick of my case, and, and uh, you know, he was uh, present as an expert witness in my case, and and uh, Aaron Sandusky's case was going on, or he was just getting ready to go on. And we were at an event um, that Aaron and I we were we were present. I, I think it was the I think it was the normal conference, or I don't know what it was. It was some event, and there was a bunch of people there. Anyways, hmm. this is now several years later, and I I have a video. I never published it because I just have all kinds of shit I never published. But he actually went on and waxed poetically about what we had become as an organization and that he was proud to be a part of it and that he, he got it. And that was now, hell, that was six years ago or five years ago. So wow. just, nice. just to, to sit there from this perspective now, and now we're raising up people that, that need our help. And, and here it is, you know, you become institutional after a while, after being there, showing up. And that's really the most important thing I think that, Anybody could learn about, you know, if you want to make a difference in the world, if you want to, you know, do something important, I, that's probably the biggest thing I could say is just find something that you think is important and start showing up and keep doing it. I mean, it's how, it's how we met. I mean, it, it's how you and I met. We, we showed up. We, we, worked, we worked different sides of the same situation. We were there at it every day. Um, we we were successful, um, and we never let it go for each other, for our organizations, for future events, for future projects, for, for paying attention. And and we and and we both have a marvelous amount of people around us that show up, and, and that's a very I, I that's a marvelous thing to say and support. And and you know I, I'll I'll say this too because we don't want to. The one thing I've learned, particularly I was reminded of, not learned but reminded of doing the disaster work is that every bit of showing up matters or every little, you know, I, I mean, don't ever downplay anything. 
that you're doing. Don't think that it's not enough or not understood. Hey, Bobby, I got Craig Cecil yeah. on the line, Colin. Go, 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 Tara Hood. I'm going to keep you on the line. You got it, bud. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, I can tell you, central uh, Indiana here, I guess it's almost southern Indiana, uh, has your desert temperatures, <laughs> our Midwest humidity. So we've had a rough week uh, in the 90s and, you know, over 90% humidity. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I got, we're, we're withering. <laughs> I got Bobby uh, with me, too. He's over in Puerto Rico. It's probably nicer over there right now. Yeah, it's a little warm as well. Hey, Grant, how you doing, man? You all right? Island would be nicer than where I'm at. Wow. Well, I, I want to introduce you. This is Bobby Rodrigo. He's uh, part of the Human Solution. He's part of a number of organizations, and he's one of the media guys that help us get our message out. He's um, one of the connections that helps tie us to um, other individuals and, and uh, uh, organizations. Um, Bobby's been a part of, of, of our organization, I don't know, it's been about three years now since I was in Kansas, and um, yep. we've been working great together. So I just want to introduce you two. How you doing, Greg? Excellent. Everything okay, man? You doing all right? I worry about you and Tara Hutt, bud. Oh, yes, yes, doing as, doing as well as I can in the federal prison, I suppose. <laughs> well, you know, you know, for those that don't know, Tara Hutt is not just any federal prison. It's a serious place. It's not, uh, you know, a country club, to say the least. And, um, you know, it's got a, it, it, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, it, it might not be now, but at one time it was a level six, which is a penitentiary. And and uh, it, that makes it a serious establishment. And um, you know, uh, I hope uh, I hope everything's going okay for you. And, and I hope we can get you the hell out of there soon. That's for sure. Well, I naturally hope so as well. And uh, I don't know what's going on down in Puerto Rico as far as medical marijuana, but I hope they're as progressive as the rest of the United States has been lately. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're actually doing pretty well as far as. Uh, um, their their law is it's as good as any in the states and better than most or better than plenty. I'm yeah. I'm involved potentially yeah. in a project over there, so they they have some common sense built into a lot of their laws and they're figuring out some of it is like the part of personal uh, cultivation and that sort of thing. So um, yeah. you know, Craig, uh, you got a a. a an article that has been being shared around uh, lately, and um, you're getting more and more attention. I'm watching people uh, engaging a conversation as these articles keep getting shared around. So there's a trend that's been happening with the, you know, the whole Vice thing, and then you know, the, a number of the other organizations have um, been doing articles about you. And um, it just your name keeps popping up in this, so just know that I, I've been I've been watching um, you know different articles and whatnot with you know that are featuring your story. People are having conversation, becoming more familiar with your case and your story. 
And that is thank you to you and to so many other people because, you know, there's been, well, since 19, you know, or at least in the last 30 years, there's been quite a few people in federal prison serving life sentences for marijuana. And most people outside the prison, and I've, I've told you even the staff within the prison, are pretty amazed that we even exist. There's just a lot of people that can't fathom that, uh, you know, somebody would serve life without the possibility of parole. <laughs> well, and, and, and today I, I, I still have those same, you know, disbeliefs. It's, it's um, every time I see one of these articles, even though I, I obviously know you and I know your story, it it still pisses me off to, to see those words on paper and to see um, it even being talked about in in the present context that it's actually happening. Blows me away. Well, I've heard of uh, something that was just posted here in the last few days. Uh, is apparently there was somebody, I believe they were out in California, raped a child and was given probation. And they kind of contrasted that with my picture saying, you know, this man, <laughs> you know, uh, is accused of being part of a marijuana conspiracy, and he's serving life without parole. That There's was, nothing wrong with our justice system. That was the article I was referring to, and it's it's been shared around in numerous different forums. I've ha- I've had it brought across my desk by no less than a dozen people over the last week. So, um, you know, like I said, that's the that's the how come conversation. We're trying to have. We're trying to get that message out there. How come this bastard son of a bitch who goes around hurting people in the most heinous, evil way is basically given a little spank on the wrist and said, well, don't do that anymore, would you? And then you, and they talk about your case a little bit, and they say, you know, how come this guy gets life? How did that work out? And nobody really has a good answer. Well, and the, the life sentence is reversed, you know, reserved usually for people that, you know, they don't dare put back out on the street and all that because they're they're so dangerous. That's what it's now, supposed to be. Who could be more dangerous than a pedophile? From the little bit I know about that, most of those people can't be cured. They, they're repeat offenders their whole life. I, I, I tell you how they, they cure them. They cure them in China with one bullet. And then they charge the family for the bullet. And it works 100% of the time. <laughs> I never repeat, yeah, yeah. ever. But over here, we got this whole other way of looking at things. And I'm not so pleased about it. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty bad. You know, I haven't I haven't seen the story yet because I've been, I, I just so you know, I'm in Puerto Rico doing disaster work. But uh, now that I'm hearing this, uh, I need uh, someone to share it to me so I can put it out on the network. And maybe get it republished with uh, through the independent media places as well. Let's go. Let's let's continue to to make sure that his story is out there as much as possible. You know, I'm you know I'm always willing to help. You bet. Well, somebody will probably be doing that in the next several seconds. I'm sure. <laughs> so how's the softball team going there, uh, Craig? Very well, very well. On uh, Memorial Day. We held the draft for the uh, draft league, the the second part of the softball season here, and that was funny. Imagine trying to uh, 
catered to the wishes of about 120 guys, uh, of which many of them have violent histories, many of them have mental illness problems, <laughs> and there's just 120 different egos. It was funny, but we got it all worked out. The, the teams are chosen, and tonight I put together the schedule. The first game of the new season will be on Saturday. And I, I hope everybody's looking forward to it as I am. They seem to be. Well, you know, I, I, I think that when we get you out of there, and I'm not going to – I'm just going to qualify and leave it at that, I think you have a perfect job as some sort of an ombudsman or a or – a, um, what do you call it, a, a negotiator or, um, you know, what do they do, uh, uh, you know, with divorces and whatnot, these, these irreconcilable problems, the guy that comes in and helps to – Helps to make it happen. Mediator. I mean, you could be a hell of a, any of those things. So, you got my um, you got my uh, reference if you need it. Yeah. yeah this is a, a set of practice. You you don't get in too many people when you're you're in too many places when you're surrounded by 120 people that are all arguing with each other. <laughs> and it, it it does get to be comical at times, and that's the only way you can look at it. But you try to find a way to keep the you know, the biggest uh, share of them happy. So it seems to be working. Well, I, I would say, you know, there's probably a, a guard or two out there that has a great little home movie of of this whole experience. I, I'd like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that about the prison that's amazed me uh, here recently is there's been more um, staff assaults on inmates and more and more efforts to just sweep those under the rug or punish the inmates who complain about them. And I, I think that's sending the wrong wrong message to these inmates. I mean, and especially to the staffers by encouraging them to continue the, that violent behavior. I've, I've, this call is from a federal prison. So many people that leave federal prison and then within days or months, um, are the perpetrator of some sort of violent crime, and I'm almost wondering if, if that's what they're being taught in here by the prison, especially by the staff, is that the only possible, you know, way to deal with something is through violence. I think that's the wrong, the wrong thing to teach people. Well, you know, you've been actually our reporter from your facility, and it seems that since this new ordinance came in, it sounded like it was originally maybe going to be a good thing, but... As it's played out, it hasn't been such a good thing with the uh, the doctor incidents or the dentist incidents. You've had uh, whatever happened as far as the prison guards getting uh, tasers. Did they end up getting that? Did they ever end up getting what? I'm sorry. They were going to be getting tasers. Remember, you were saying there was a there was a thing where they were going to be allowed to uh, 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 execute more. More types of punishment, I think, is what it was. There, there was a there was a law or a, a ruling or something that had happened that that was changing the dynamic of the guards' power. Did this have anything to do with it? Do you think? Um, I've seen some. There there seems to be a whole bunch of things going on in the Trump administration in terms of changing around what the staffing's going to be in the Bureau of Prisons, and they they uh the director just resigned about a week and a half ago, so there's a search for a new director, so... That seems to be a common occurrence. <laughs> yes. Yes, so we're hoping that there's going to be some changes the right way, because 
as you know, last year they added weapons to the police. That's what I was then, talking about, um, yeah. They, they now carry the pepper spray. Oh, that's what it was. Pepper and more and more, they're the using it when they just don't like what somebody said or, you know, or the way somebody looked at them. They spray them with pepper spray. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. I, I For whatever reason, my little pea brain thought of teaser, but it was pepper spray. And uh, like I say, I, I think this is the wrong place to send more weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. What about the uh, the dentist? Have, have they... Uh, did they ever finalize your dental work that, that needed to be fixed? Well, they they finalized it from here in that their uh, bottom line answer is that they're just going to claim that nothing ever happened. Oh, That's what the investigators told me, that it just never happened. We, we were never in the same place. It just never happened. Wow. But uh, for, this, for this, I've orchestrated where another agency will look into it uh, from the Department of Justice and be honest, I don't have a whole lot of faith, but it's possible that maybe they'll do something about this person that has years of uh, history of assaulting inmates, and hopefully maybe something uh, to remedy this is due to happen. Well, it's going to take a, a third-party audit or some kind of a, of a review by somebody who's not connected to the big machine for anything to really happen. I mean, you know, it's... This is a self-fulfilling prophecy. These guys do what they want, and they protect themselves like any law enforcement agency does, you know. And that's that's just the what that's what we're up against. It takes somebody to come inside and actually uh, not only see it but document it and get it out here for other people that that might care enough to to do something about it to know. Well, I'm kind of excited about the prospect of a. Uh Jared Kushner, the uh, uh, the president's son-in-law, who used to visit his father every weekend, who was in federal prison, and he knows uh, of a lot of the, <laughs> the Bureau of Prisons' failings, and uh, he's really taken an interest in looking into it and uh, making changes. So I'm hopeful that somebody that comes from a family business, you know, that knows how to manage people and manage big projects, I'm hoping he can put some accountability and maybe some actual management in the Bureau of Prisons that it sorely needs. Well, one thing you can say is anything can happen with this with this uh, regime. Hey, Craig, your first beep already went, so you got just seconds to go. Well, I just want to say thank you for people as far away as Puerto Rico saying hello. And hopefully things go much better for them uh, in terms of our... Uh, uh, prohib prohibition. But secondly, thank you for shining a light on those of us behind the uh, behind the walls here. That you know, the government wants us to be forgotten, but it, you're making it so that people know we're here, and more and more people are taking an interest, and that's where any help will come. That's that's what we're here for, Craig. I I I, I told everybody. Oh, there he goes. I told everybody that uh, we'd do this show just for you if we had to. You know, Bobby, this every time, every week that this happens, um, you know, it, I, I get this sort of, like, excitement when I'm talking to Craig because I know, I know what it means to him. You know, I talk to Craig off the, off the air, too, sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's just one of these things that being in such a shitty place as – federal prison, but not just any federal prison. Terre Haute 
is a very old and dilapidated place that is truly a place to be forgotten. You know, it's not a place anybody cares to go and take care of and tend and nurture and, and, and do anything to make it better. It's literally just a, it's, it's the end of the road for most, for a lot of people that go there. And I just know that you just have in that 15 minutes, I, I can imagine, you know, when I was locked up for the period of time I was, any time that I got a, um, you know, they call your name, and I, I was in a, in a dorm with 160 uh, inmates. And so it was mm. bunk beds stacked up, you know, one next to another, no space between each other. And I was a top bunk, which I think was better than a bottom bunk, but who knows. Um, but there was literally no distance, that no space I could call my own except for the, you know, three by six square that was actually my mattress. And that was it. Everything right. else, there was not even an inch between me and the bunk next to me. But when they would call my name, my number, and I would recognize it, I remember how I felt. Like your heart just starts beating and, and your smile comes on your face, and you'd go up to the, the guard's little station up there, and they'd hand you a, a slip of paper, and it was a, a visitor card. And it told me that somebody had gone through the bullshit to go through the Twin Towers you know, uh, checkpoint, entry, clearance, whatever it was. I never came at it from that point. And they were there or on their way there to the little room to have a 20-minute conversation with me. And then walking down those halls, you know, the long walk to this place. And then, of course, you know, everywhere you'd stop, there would be, you know, inmates and, and guards and the bullshit and politics that was going along. But by the time you got in that room, uh, you sit there and wait, and then all of a sudden the door would open and all the visitors would come in. And I can just still remember what that felt like to have somebody that I could talk to in the real world, not somebody that was inside that was either a criminal, crazy, didn't belong there like me, or a son-of-a-bitch guard who was causing the misery. So I know on some level, I mean, thank God I don't know what it's like to have a life sentence, but the value of having a conversation with the outside world is powerful. And that's, again, one of the, in my opinion, one of the big reasons why, why this show exists. And so. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Every time he gets off, it's like kind of like this big, uh, I feel sad, you know, and I'm not a man that has a lot of feelings that I act on, but it's just like, you know, every time he, the phone cuts off, you're like, shit. You know, it's it's the high the high deflates. So, anyways, you know, you know, it's interesting, you guys, you guys, you guys covered a couple of things. You know, and and, and you mentioned Terra Hut. Terra Hut has got a sixty foot fence around it with gun towers and and all of that penitentiary stuff. You know, like Lewisburg and Lompoc and Atlanta and uh, you know, and, and Florence is the new the new kid on the block and built differently. The basically the replacement of Marion. But, you know, it's interesting, you were talking about the directors and the wardens. Um, you know, there's a lot of nepotism in that area in, in the Bureau of Prisons. I don't know if a lot of people know that. You know, there's, there's certain families of people that have gone through the federal prison system and pretty much run things. Uh, and and Unicor, which is a study of mine, um, 
and and the penology. I wrote a, I wrote an article uh, some years ago for Anti Media about about the, the situation with our mass incarceration, and I did a big study on what was going on. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of sideline stuff going on, as is everything. You know, you mentioned our government and how we let them get away with stuff, and yeah, it's definitely on us. By the way, when are you running, when, when are you running for office? I don't mean to be all over the place, but I just thought I'd go there. When you're running for office, I think Riverside. You know what the hell, right? Just let's just look. I've, I've, been, I've, I've already done the press secretary thing. I can do it for you. It's okay, you know. Well, I, I tell you what. If if um, if I thought I could be effective in that capacity, and I thought that there was, I could get the the, the local backing to to enter that arena, I would do it. I mean, you know me. I I I, I would I do know, whatever I, I, I thought. I know. I know. You know. The problem is mm-hmm. working on so many important projects right now. If I did that, I would have to put everything else on hold. If you get into politics, you have to give it everything or you don't have a chance in hell. So that's one of the main reasons is I have a lot of important work I'm doing right now with some amazing people. And I think if I was to jump into a political game right now, I think it would harm everything else that I was doing. And, and I'd have a pretty slim chance, to be honest, right now. I'm in the sure. process of, sure. of getting myself connected to people. And if those connections, um, you know, turn into a machine that could actually be a, a real thing, yeah, you bet. I, I tell you what, there's there's no place I wouldn't go to make a change that I really thought I could make. And you know me, I would go toe-to-toe with anybody. I don't care what the consequences would be. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. I am so there. <laughs> I am so there. And, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, man, we, we, we can do this. Let's put together the, 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 cup, the cup of Joe campaign, man. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll bring the coffee and we'll just rock and roll. I, and, you know, and you, you, and you know if you ever called me up and said that, you know, my, my, my ass would be out there going, okay, let's get busy. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know what? Many a great idea has been born in a venue like this, and so you know we just we we plant them, uh, we water them, and we watch them grow. And the ones that take off, we uh, we keep going. We're getting a little looping going on here, but we're good. <laughs> I got a squirrely beef going on today. She's she's getting out of control. I've never never seen that before. Well, Bobby, um, you know, let me know right now. Um, you're in Puerto Rico. You've been doing some amazing work for, um, you know, the people of Puerto Rico. And and people don't realize, you know, I was there three months ago, and generally speaking, I thought most things were, were working okay. But there are places in Puerto Rico and surrounding areas that, like you said, have never gotten their power on. And there are places yeah. that the sewers don't work. People don't realize that without power, you don't have running water. Without power, you don't right. have sewers. Without power, you don't have a lot of things that we take for granted as just being normal parts of a first-world nation. Uh, that Puerto Rico is not a first-world nation in many aspects, and it's part of the United States of America, folks. I don't know how to break it to you, but Puerto Ricans, they're American citizens, every damn one of them. So... I don't know. Maybe it's time to uh, say a little something, do a little something, make a little. Well, you know little... that. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's, there's. I appreciate that. You know, there's a. 
it's a unique situation. Um, it's going to be nine months on June 20th in the storm, and at least from the standpoint of area, at least 30%, 40% of the island is still without power. Pretty much the mountains everywhere is without power. You know, and, and it's insane. Like you say, there's no running water, and, there's, you know, they can't have a hot meal. And and, and where Vieques, I mean, great example of Vieques, where we were today, I went and seen, I saw a, a veterans trailer. I'm a veteran. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get the sit rep on the vet thing on the island, you know, and they have no labs working for them right now on the island. So when they make, when, when they have 270 veterans in Vieques, approximately, I'm going to write an article about this tomorrow, actually. And, um, they're not taking care of them. Of course, I'm right. I picked that to have the article because I'm hoping to have the most impact. Yesterday, they announced that there was a study done in at Harvard University. Um, you can see it on, on my Facebook page, and I take living my coffee and and uh, please share it. That the the debt, the official debt toll for Puerto Rico from the government is, I believe, 64. And they did a study, and they said that the actual debt toll is 4,645. I believe that the debt toll is over 10,000. I've been working over here since the first day of the storm. I mean, I've been working with this island, and I have a lot of reasons why I say that. It's not just some arbitrary number. And, and, and Vieques, in order to get dialysis, it takes some money. It take, And I confirmed this again today because, you know me, I'm a vet. Or I, I got a vet information before I put it out there. And I confirmed today it's 12 hours somebody has to take out of their day to go get dialysis treatment because they don't have anything operating on the island. The the, the, the the hospital, the main hospital on the island, it, it has been condemned, and it wasn't condemned because of the storm damage. It was condemned because they didn't take care of it after the storm. And they had all kinds of supplies brought in there, and they just didn't care, and, and now it is, it is a biohazard. It, it is a 100% I was there. I was standing up. I, took a, I did a film of it, actually, today, so I can put it out there. Um, and, 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 and it's just amazing um, what has been going on. I'll leave you with this. So there was a guy uh, living on this island who um, is the founder, CEO of Quantum Energy. He's a big Trump guy. He's filthy rich, billionaire. And he lives in the richest part of the island where I'm, st I'm not staying in this rich part, of, but I'm staying close by. And I went over there, and I was talking to one of his neighbors while we were looking at a project. And I actually introduced him, introduced the guy I was talking to, to Scott and to, to Jimmy, the, you, to let you know, on the island. And um, – his, and he told me the story about the guy, and he went to PREPA, which is the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, um, and he told them he would pay for their debt. He would take them out of debt, $13 billion. He was going to take them out of debt, and, and all he wanted in response was a seat at the table. Now, we're talking about a guy who has a, an energy utility company in Texas who's a big Trump guy, so from the standpoint of politics, and, and it all lines up with today because that's who the president is, and he wanted a seat at the table, and he wanted a microgrid put in in the community where he had a $12 million house. And they turned him down. And I confirmed that story two days ago. And they turned him down, and he, and he in this part, I didn't need to confirm. I, I, I knew it really happened. He sold his $12 million uh, house for $6 million, and he left the island, and he said he'll never come back. And that's wow. the kind of crap that's going on over here. Yeah, They're going through 300 gallons of diesel fuel on the island an hour. An hour. Wow. 
Well, you know, what I learned in the short period of time I was there was that, like you said, in the prison system, there's a lot of nepotism. In the Puerto Rican Mm. government, there's a lot of that. Mm. And just layers of... Mm. Just like I said, it's second world behavior. And the, the, the problem, you know, even the school systems aren't functioning. You've got, you've got every, you got breakdown at every le- level of government, and there's money to fix all this shit. There's resources to fix it all. There's all the parts to make Puerto Rico whole again in a pretty short period of time, and yet it's not being accomplished because of all this corruption and dysfunction, to put it mildly. We, I was told today by uh, by a person who is contracted uh, with by FEMA, but his role is is to make sure that the generators stay running. He works, and, I, and I've done this before myself in in Key West. He works seven twelves. He works eighty four hours a week, and he and he gets a paid. I did this in, for Hurricane Wilma in two thousand two thousand two thousand five and two thousand six. The beginning of that, we worked seven twelves. We were eighty four hours a week, and the whole deal and. And I know exactly what, so he drove me around the island today and showed me everything, and he told me flat out, he goes, he goes the reason that they're not doing anything is because they, they would have to turn around and maintenance everything themselves, and they would not get all this free gas from FEMA to run the island. It's absolutely yeah. nuts. And, and I'm, you know, I'm like, jeez, man, you know, it, it, so, so I'm just going to, you know me, I'm, I have, I have uh, you know, I'm, I'm cowboy way, baby. I, I don't talk to the government. I don't, I don't ask permission, and. And we're rocking and rolling and installing. And we, we gave power to Mariana and Umacal the other day, first time in eight, in eight months that they've had power in that community. And, and uh, we put up a solar grid. Um, and uh, I brought the solar mobile kitchen, and we rock and rolled all day there. It was a great day. And, and, and we just, we're, we're just trying to make a difference. And they, they just, they got people here just suffering every single day for the entire time. Just think of how it would be, like you said. It's it's crazy. So pass the word around. Keep the light on it. And um, you, you want to support us, I don't care way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is always a pleasure to have you be part of the show. And, you know, the the work that we do as as individuals and coalition and, and even as organizations reaches far beyond just, uh, not just, but far beyond this specific mission of ending cannabis prohibition. It's about making the world right. It's about, it's about, taking care of what needs taking care of. It's about fixing problems and being the human solution. Bobby, I appreciate you being a part of the human solution. One final point, how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to help? WeDoBetter.org. We do better. And just so you know, uh, the organization We Do Better is not about we do better. It's about we the people do better, everybody. We do better.org. Stop by, say hello. Any help you want to give, we could use in Puerto Rico all the time. Absolutely. Beautiful. And I know that we do better folks, and they do some great work. There's some great, amazing talent as part of this and a lot of heart. So, Bobby, thank you so much for being part of the show, and we'll be talking very soon. Have a good night, everybody. Appreciate it, Joe. All right. Bobby Rodrigo from Puerto Rico. Um, all right, let's go to Glenn Keeling. Glenn is uh, the case we were talking about earlier, um, this Ohio case. Glenn is an Ohio uh, resident. Him and his wife were following Ohio law, 
uh, acting in a in a way that uh, the law would say that you get to do. Um, and somebody makes a complaint, says, "Well, we don't like what's going on over there." Government gets involved, starts snooping around, gets a warrant, and they file charges. Uh, Glenn does time in jail, has to bail himself out. Peggy is going through horrible physical ailments as a result of all of this, gets denied her ability to use the very cannabis that was helping make her world somewhat reasonable, dealing with MS and and all the fallout that comes out of that, uh, dealing with all of the pharmaceuticals that they would have you take. Imagine if a single uh, compound could help allay those problems and give you some quality of life, if not actually, you know, reverse some of the problems. Nope, they took that away. They go through this hell. They go to court. They stand up. They stand up and willing to fight, and we stand with them. We we started a chapter out there they, in the midst of their own battle, and I've always tried to keep defendants from having to start their own chapters because it's enough work just to fight for your own case. But when you can't find somebody else willing to take on the role, then so be it. You know, that's where we that's where we began. So Glenn and Peggy took that role. They became chapter coordinators of the new uh, Creative Care Beacon chapter of the Human Solution in Ohio. And, and not only are they were they fighting their case, but they were supporting others, doing the same thing. The government gave in. They didn't have their case ready. The judge said, hey, you know what? Get your shit together, file this thing, and I'll dismiss it. They did. But, you know, as people realize or come to realize over time, my first case got dismissed too. The judge issued an order in my case that I was found to be compliant with all California law. It was written in the order. And not only that, but he said that I was not only with my case dismissed with prejudice, but I was to be returned all the property that was taken from me. Well, what actually happened was they turned over the money to the feds, and several weeks later I was raided, and another case was started, and that became the nightmare that lasted for a long time. Similar thing happened to these guys. It hasn't played out yet, but hopefully we'll be able to head it off at the pass. A couple of few weeks later, Peggy gets indicted. Glenn gets a call from the lawyer saying they're coming to get you. Peggy's already on fragile terms trying to, you know, deal with these health issues. She's, they've both done videos, um, and I encourage you to watch them because it gives you a little bit of insight about their lives and about what this is about. This is a human problem. This isn't some where they follow in the rules, right? This isn't some, you know, ambiguous thing. This is a real problem. Real people are being torn apart by this prohibition. And at the other side of the coin, you got plenty of people just doing fine, selling stuff, buying stuff, going to stores, acting like there's no problem at all. How do we live in this dichotomy? How, is it, how does this, this oxymoron exist? How do we have two things that can't exist in the same place, swimming together, smiling, having no problems? So... Glenn's going to give us an update here without any further ado. Uh, Chapter coordinator of the Creative Care Beacon chapter of the Human Solution, Glenn Keeling, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Joe. That was a great introduction. Yeah, um, as an update, uh, 
as it is, Peggy's court date, we were called uh, late yesterday afternoon. Her court was supposed to be today at 1 o'clock. Um, and crazy, we weren't contacted by her attorney. We weren't contacted by the courts. We didn't even get a damn letter in the mail telling us. We had a reporter that's doing our our story, a reporter that is three hours away from us, called us and said, hey, do you guys realize that your court date's been moved? Well, they moved Peggy's court date to June 13th, which gives us a lot more time to get everything together, get more letters wrote. I posted the uh, address for people to send letters. I mean, let's flood these people, you know, because it's high time that people that are treating themselves get a fair shake and get stop getting persecuted against because this is, it is it, ridiculous. I mean, it, it goes from the recreational states, the medical states, right down to states that don't have any program. People are being persecuted against and thrown in jail for a plant that people, we should not be putting, serving any time for a plant. And I'm, it's a slogan that Human Solution uses, and, and it rings true. No one should serve time for a plant. Not ever, not ever, not for any reason, not for any number of plants, not for any number of things that were made from plants. You know, it, if you could find some reason that this plant was harmful to people and prove it with science, then we would have a different conversation, you know. Right. But they haven't been able to do that, and Lord knows, you know they've tried. They spent... 80 years trying to come up with that silver bullet says, well, hell's bells, this is what it does. But instead, all they were able to do is create lies and more lies. You know, in the D.A.R.E. program in California, they tell children in grade school that marijuana causes cancer. They tell them that. I've talked to the kids that have been told, causes brain cancer. That's what they say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they tell that across, all across the United States that these programs are brainwashing children, and, they, and they're getting them at a young age, and they're, they're telling these, you know, children, you know, that, hey, drugs are bad, pot's bad, it's, it's going to kill you, you know, to make you, they're using this reefer madness crazy shit on our children today, and, and a lot of people are facing a lot of time because their kids are saying, oh, well, that's what my mom or dad does. You know, they're, well, that, they're not that bad, was, you know, and they don't know any better, you know? All right, that was the point I was trying to get to, is it's more sinister than that. This is like McCarthyism at its finest, is they trick these kids into ratting on their parents. And, you know, when my kids were in grade school and they were in, I don't know, third, fourth grade, whatever, whatever year it was when they were starting to do that, I set my kids down, and I told them, I said, you know what those cops are going to try to do? They're going to try to get you to say something that will give them the power to come take you away from us. So if that's what you want, if that's what you want, then say something to those cops. But if you don't, then shut the hell up. And the kids learned pretty quickly that those cops were not on our side. They had their own agenda, and it was not a good one for us. Right, absolutely. Our 14-year-old daughter knows, I, I mean, she's a very bright young lady. She's very smart. She knows what her mom and dad does. She knows and sees that we need that medication. It's not that we 
want the medicine or we, you know, we enjoy the the after effects. Or we enjoy not hurting. We enjoy a better quality of life. And our 14-year-old daughter knows way more than most of these D.A.R.E. officers are trying to teach. And it's sad that, you know, kids that know right from wrong, really know right from wrong, are forced to go in and lie in these programs and tell these people exactly what they want instead of the truth. And that's what I, I, you know, get these kids young and, and let them know that right from wrong, really, and don't let nobody brainwash them. Well, and you know, the, the, the sad irony about all of this is the culture that we live is an alcohol culture. And you go to any little social club and you see any group of women from 20-somethings to 60-somethings, and you mention a glass of wine, and everybody lights up. Oh, we're going to go have a glass of wine. Or you go to any group of guys and say, hey, let's go get a beer, or let's go to the bar and have a cocktail. Woo, everybody lights up. You go and watch any TV show from the 70s and 80s, and you see how many references to would you like a drink, okay? And that's normal. That is just like, hey, absolutely, let's go have a drink. And I don't have any problem with alcohol. Don't get me wrong. As much as this pisses me off about the culture, it's not about the alcohol. It's about the stigma. And the same, at the same motion, we have a stigma, dark, dirty, yucky look when somebody says marijuana. And you know what's interesting? I was watching an old episode of Columbo the other day, and I just always liked that guy. He just was such a cool character. <laughs> and and in this episode, there was a character in this who was a, a musician, and he had gotten in trouble prior to this, and he had gotten, he had gotten busted for something. And anyways, and they, they – said, you know, I like to have a, a, a couple of hits of grass after a, after a thing, whatever it was. And he, he said, it's just like you having a glass of wine. You know, why, why is it different? And this was a show back in the late 60s, early 70s that was addressing it back then. And yet today it hasn't changed. It's changed some because there's more understanding about the plant and there's there's more people that know the truth. But seriously, that when I saw that, uh, my wife's like, God, we got to record that and just play it back. And I, I, I you know, didn't have the capability to do it at the time, but I remembered it at least to share it. That's one of the big problems. And it, it's the same thing in these D.A.R.E. programs. Even though they would go after a, a – they, they ask your kids, you know, well, do your, does your mom like to drink? Does, he, does she take pills? Does she, you know, they want to know whatever they can. And, and the purpose of that isn't necessarily for the safety of the kids. The purpose of that is to perpetuate this sick, fucked-up system that we have. We have a guy who called me a few days back, and unfortunately we, we haven't connected yet, but he has a case in Colorado where his teenage kid was uh, interrogated in school and asked about his father's uh, marijuana use. This is in Colorado, where everybody thinks everything's cool. And I just don't know how to tell everybody that, you know, we're just so far from being done. Maybe right. decide to come in and help us finish the job. We're just looking for a few good folks. That's all. Right. You know, and, and another to touch another point on that, Joe, is, 
you know, Saturday morning, Sunday mornings, you got them, them, the mimosa brunch women that are sitting around drinking their mimosas, passing their psychotropic oh, yeah. drugs back and forth in their pain pills. But yet, while they're doing that shit, they're complaining about the guy that it lives a couple of doors down that smokes his pot in his living room. While they're passing yep. their damn pills around drinking their mimosas and shit. And that's, that's bad. When it's acceptable to do that kind of stuff and complain about somebody having a joint, that is unacceptable. And that is the, the, the life that we're living in. And, that, and it's going to be a reality, and that's going to keep doing this day in and day out until we all come together and everybody, all these, you know, grassroots bands and groups are going to have to, we're going to have to stand together and stay strong and come out and support people that are going through cases. Because, you know, listen, yes, absolutely, people are going through these cases, but they're not going through these cases just for themselves. They're going through these cases to set a precedent for everybody else, and that is exactly what's going on here in Ohio. Listen, people, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. Write a letter. Go to your local courthouse. Support somebody. Do something. Don't just sit there and, and just listen. And it's time that we all support. I mean, we got a case. Our case is, is June 13th. We could appreciate all kind of letters. Man, I, I posted the address again. Flood these guys with letters about how wrong they are for persecuting people for cannabis plants. You know, the the group in Cincinnati is going through the same thing. You, you know, we can't help you unless you reach out for help. We're asking for the same. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, Glenn and, 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 you know, your wife, you guys are both dear to us. And, and just know that... Uh, as this progresses, I, I believe that Bobby's going to really come through and uh, bring some more media attention to this. And um, I know he's got some boots on the ground. And, I, I, you know, you never know where the next battleground is going to be, but I, I feel that if they decide they're going to pursue this case, I, I'm, I'm hoping we can mount a, um, a capable response. That's what I'm looking to do. Right on. I absolutely, we, we greatly, greatly appreciate everything that Bobby Rodrigo is doing for us. And listen, people, you can find us on Facebook, Creative Care Beacon, Human Solution International, Ohio Chapter. Find me, or you can just simply call 419-863-0498. You need help, reach out. I mean, we can offer support as much as we can offer you. But we can't do it unless you reach out to somebody. Why don't you give your phone number one more time, if you would? My phone number is 419-863-0498. Beautiful. Well, Glenn, it's always a treat to talk to you, and uh, it's an honor to, to be marching by your side. I know exactly what you're going through. I have been through what you're going through, and uh, I... I I respect and honor your courage and, and piggies and just know that we're here to do what we can and hopefully, you know, this gets contagious enough. Maybe we can put down our legal joint just long enough to make a decision to help some poor guy, poor woman, poor anybody who is suffering in a place where they don't get the same the same freedom. And and the fact that you happen to have that freedom even though your law says you can, doesn't mean it can't be lost, taken away in any given second. Um, they can decide that 
what you were doing didn't match the rules in a blink of an eye, and that's what's happening here. They've gone from charging them with possession and and whatever to now they're charging them with, uh, you know, intent to distribute. And that's what they do, folks. I, I, I just I don't know how many times to say it, how many ways to say it, passing these these punk-ass laws that are weak, and, and they call it the, oh, well, we have to make these little baby steps because that's the only way we can do it. You know what? Imagine if our founding fathers decided to take that route with the redcoats and see how that would have worked out for us. What kind of baby step do you think we could have taken? No, there's one way to solve a problem. Grow some cuyons and take a step. You know, take that Make that decision. You know, this is worth standing up for. If enough of us did it, we'd all stand up once, take one step, and they'd fall right over. They got nothing. What they have is our apathy. What they have is our weakness and our fear. And if we don't have that, we push them right over. That's all i got to say. Uh, Glenn, Peggy, I, I just, um, again, I, I'm sorry that we're not going to be able to meet in person uh, next week. I was hoping that that was going to be able to happen, but... Um, uh, we will we will get together soon enough. I'm sure we'll make it happen. Absolutely, Joe. Absolutely. Thank you very much, and, and we'll we'll figure it out. We'll get through it. I know we will. I know we will. All right. Well, once again, folks, let's uh, let's keep marching, and uh, let's uh, we got we got some more show to do. All right. Up next, um, we got Creed Leffler. He's been a regular on the show for a little while, and we got Pete Yapel from New York, and uh, I got a few things I want to bring up. I get a little time to talk every now and again when I'm not talking over my guests. I try to try to limit that, but, you know, I'm a little bit of a spaz. It's kind of hard. If you want to be a part of the show, pick up the phone and dial 646-929-2495, and you'll get your voice. As you can see, we bring on... Whoever has something to say, as long as it's reasonable, as long as it's not destructive and based on truth, we'd like to hear about it. Sometimes people go way off topic, but that's okay. So, um, let's see. I think I'm going to bring up Pete because I know he sometimes has a limited amount of time. Then we'll go to Creed, and then we'll reach out probably have uh, George Martirado join us. So here's the thing. In California, and I, I will be all forever the most critical opponent of California's Prop 64 bullshit law, but I got this email from Orange County Normal, and um, as I, I support the people of Orange County Normal greatly. They're wonderful folks. Candace Haas is a dear friend and a friend of the Human Solution, and she truly wants to end prohibition, and she takes whatever actions she sees that she can, and she's probably the most active person. She puts me to shame. She makes me look like a slacker. She's out there hustling every week. She's got another bun in the oven. She's got a young child, and she's out there just hustling it more than I've ever known anybody to do. Um, and she works primarily from the political point of view, but she's been there in courtrooms for people. Um, just an amazing activist. If anybody was to uh, be worthy of some kind of a of a medal or whatnot, I would certainly recommend her. But she sends me this, um, I don't always agree with the points that she's trying to push, but that's the beauty of this. We don't have to agree on everything, 
we have a discussion about it. Let's talk about this for a second. So I got this um, this email from her today that says, please take action now on AB1793 to automatically expunge or uh, re-sentence past cannabis convictions. That sounds awfully nice, doesn't it? Yep. Sounds like something I'd say, sure, let's go get this, let's do that. Well, and I do say let's do that, but I say also this, it doesn't solve the problem, folks. All right, so it says Assemblyman Bonita's bill, uh, AB 1793, to automatically expunge resentence past cannabis convictions is facing a vote on the Assembly for this week. Please take action by writing or calling your Assemblyman in support of this bill. And there's a link. So I click this link, and here's what it says. And I just wish we would take a minute to read some of the shit rather than just the headlines, rather than just the, you know, the, the, the talking points, because there's flaws. And we don't address those flaws. And we let those flaws pass us by. And then the victims of these flaws, we don't give the proper or reasonable or, or the correct or right response. And when somebody falls outside of these things, even though we've gone out of our way to fix this, we say, well, you know, you weren't following the law. We went out of our way to fix this. We passed a law, but you just didn't follow it. So, you know, sorry, dude. So here it is. Legislation is pending in the Assembly AB 1793 to allow automatic expungement or reduction of a prior cannabis conviction for an act that is not a crime as of January 1st, 2017, or for a crime that is of that date subject to a lesser sentence. Now, you have to understand what this law allows for and does not allow for. And when you do, you go, oh, shit, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to him. That doesn't apply to the dispensary that didn't have a license. That doesn't apply to the guy that grew 100 plants instead of the 24 the law let him grow. That doesn't apply to the guy that had six kinds of pot in six different bags and a scale nearby. That doesn't apply to any of that crap. That doesn't apply to the guy that had 1000 bucks in his pocket because he collected rent from his tenant. That doesn't apply to any of that stuff. So let me continue to read. And, and, and this is the thing that sickens me. And I don't care, you know, so many namby-pamby people, and I, I, I love you namby-pamby people, but I grow some fucking coyones. Why can't we just own this and demand what we want? Just say, no, sorry, that's not okay anymore. Why can't we do that? I can do it. I'll do it with you. I promise I will. Here's what it says. Prop 64, which California voters passed in November 2016, legalized recreational cannabis use and allowed those with marijuana convictions to petition courts to dismiss their case. But many aren't aware that they qualify for resentencing or can't afford to bring in a petition. Sounds awesome, doesn't it? Criminal convictions carry a lifelong stigma. God dang it, you're right. With those with such convictions are often denied opportunities in the workplace and elsewhere. Yes, 
indeed true. We should not continue to punish individuals whose actions are no longer defined as criminal under California state law. What the fuck? Do you know what's considered criminal under California state law? No, you don't. Read the law. You can't do most of what you think you can do unless you get a license. Like I said, you're not going to get a license because they're really expensive and hard to get. You're breaking the law, folks. You got 100 plants, you got 200 plants, you got whatever. You're breaking the law. You don't count. That doesn't matter. That doesn't, that doesn't include you. Need not apply. Just saying. All right. Let's get back to the show. Sorry. No, I'm not. I mean it. I mean every word of it, to be honest. I really, really do. And I really, really do mean that I'll be there to stand up if you're willing to stand up with me. I will. I've done it before. I'll do it again. I'll keep doing it. When we do it, we'll win. No joke. We will win. <clears throat> All right. We got Pete Yaple. Pete's one of these guys that's a lot like me in a lot of ways. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I haven't met too many people who can talk as much as I can and be as high energy as I tend to be, but Pete's right there with me, and I think he surpasses me on many levels. So it's an honor and a privilege to be working with this man and, Hell, we get to meet each other next week in person. In fact, I don't know if we're going to be doing a live show next week. I'm going to try to pull it off, but I there may not be a live show next week because I'm going to be in New York with this man, Pete Yapel. Welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. How you doing? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. God didn't. I, God blessed me with uh, very few things, but a mouth, I guess, it was something I got in line for twice. <laughs> But, uh, That's all right. I'm yeah, with you. I, I, I thought that line was a good one myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, honestly, I can't wait to get here, man. It's a it's a week. We're both excited. I'm sitting here getting ready to pick Helen up from work, and uh, we were talking about it earlier. She pulled a double today. She called me on her break, and she was just like, "It's a week from today, isn't it?" I go, "Yes, it is." We'll have him here. Actually, have him here a week from t- yesterday. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm still looking forward to it, and uh, we got a lot, a lot, a lot to accomplish in a short period of time. But you know, a lot of this is is about you can do a lot of long distance work. You can do a lot of stuff from wherever you are. You can do electronic um, campaigning and 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 educating and inspiring. But the real work happens when you get and meet people one on one. I know that um, you know in this movement, I always put quotes around it because it's a pretty dysfunctional movement when you get into it, you know, all the narcissism and and, and, and BS. But when you get actually face-to-face with people, everything changes. And all the, 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 the armchair warriors, all the trolls, they melt into the dirt. The real people stand up and shake your hand and look you in the eye, give you a hug, and they have real words to say. And there's real heart. And when we get out there and we, we, we connect with the real people, that's when you know what this is all about. And and that's what I've been doing oh, for I, 10 years. I couldn't, couldn't agree more life. with you, man. I I could not agree yeah. more with you. And I can't wait. Like I said, I, I can't wait to give you a hug, too, brother, when you get here. And like I, like I was telling you earlier, me and Joe had that pleasure of speaking. We talk all the time, but talked earlier. And, uh, uh, hey, you can't have a better, I don't think, way for us to – get together we're going to accomplish a ton of stuff while you're here 
but shit, at the same time, we can do it while walking around the Bethel, you know, the, the Bethel uh, Woodstock uh, concert freaking field and look at the museum. And it's a beautiful ride. Well, plenty of time, man. Get to meet Denise while you're here. Uh, another person we've been doing business with here at the Holistic Healing Studio that lets us do our classes there that we teach once a month. Our, our next class is... Uh, our next class is going to be an incredible class. Oh, gosh, I'm really thinking about broadcasting it because um, next class, our Cannabis 101, is how to make how – how, how people in their own home can make their own medicine with small quantities of cannabis. And we're going to have uh, Sage Amdahl uh, Skyped in from Washington and be able to – because obviously in New York I can't <laughs> – I I can't produce oil butter. I, I can't do anything like that here. So I, I'm I'm using the benefit of networking with people that I do respect, and uh, and I'm going to have Sage on, and uh, she's going to show people how to make some edibles and some things like that uh, that they can just do in their own home, you know. Because I I think that people think that it's more challenging and more uh, difficult than it truly really is, and. Uh, you know, that's the beauty of cannabis. You know, um, you know, you can go out, grab it, and Anybody pull it off the plant and eat it and get the same damn health benefit or get better health benefits sometimes than you can, you know, vaporizing, making oils, eating edibles, whatever. Um, the plant is here for us. Uh, I, it, like I say, it's legal wherever I am. No, I don't care what the law says. It keeps me alive, so they – they are trumped, I guess, at that point in time, you know. And and to add to something that you said earlier, and that Glenn was kind of bringing up, is is the fact that this movement is the only movement I truly believe that we stand more divided than any movement there has ever been in history. We outnumber people in mass. There are, you know, the, there there are more people that are affected, ill, and 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 just or just don't care. Uh, because it's a plant, um, then there are people that don't. Yet we all stand and you know fight our own fight and toot our own trumpet. And heaven forbid we just all just stood and held hands, man. We could we could make a chain across this country quicker than you, you could, you know, shake a stick. Um, but hey, Joe, I'm looking forward to having you come on, uh, guys. If you need me or my wife Helen, please reach out to us at Can We Talk four two zero, just like H two O. You can find that on Facebook or, or just add a .com to the end of it, and you'll get to our webpage. My phone number is 845-522-3162. you ever need us, please call. I'm not very good at answering the phone, but I'm very good at returning calls. Um, that's pretty much it, man, except for I cannot wait to get you out here, you know? Right on, right on. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it, and I'm – I'm so uh, so proud of all the work you're doing out there, and uh, I really want to, you know, focus a lot a lot of attention at your at your uh, class plan, and and really look. I uh, can't wait to meet Denise and and Helen, of course. I mean, look, I I probably look forward to meeting Helen and more than I meet and look to meet you. I know she's the power <laughs> I behind know. all this. Like she is, man. <laughs> I'm just a talking head that goes blah 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 a lot. <laughs> I- I, I I say it all. She I say she's the one that winds my cake. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I just want to do whatever she tells me. Power behind all of us. That's how it works out here. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm tickled. Uh, I'll go down. 
All right, Pete. Well, yeah. um, hey, get us, get I just can't wait for you to time. finally see the work. You know, I mean, I can't wait for you to finally get here and see the work that's going on. Because, I mean, it's unavoidable for you to see it. I mean, I, I don't stop on it. I, I, it's one thing I don't have is park in my in my uh, gear shift. But <laughs> I, I, I share a similar blight. <laughs> I do. Excellent. Okay, bro. All right, Pete. One more time. All right, we're looking forward to see you. All right, you got it, man. Peace. No, no, no. One more time. How people can get a hold of you? Oh, they can call me at 845-522-3162, or they can go to our website, www.canawetalk420.com. Beautiful, beautiful. That's what I was looking for. All right, brother, we will talk awesome, tomorrow, bro. and uh, I'll see you next week. You got it, man. All right, once again, Pete Yapel from New York. Um, all right, so... If you want to call this show, once again, you just pick up the phone and dial 646-929-2495. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, I got a little thing. All right. Okay, I've been waiting for this. Yeah, I've been waiting and forgetting about this three shows in a row, but here we go. We have um, now my co-host, the amazing Lisa Wildridge, who is the vice president and uh, video producer of this show, and uh, she's got a little something she wants to say. So we're going to bring Lisa on to take over for a moment. Yeah, Welcome. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Okay. All right. Hi, guys. Okay, let me grab my computer here because i got to read something. Okay, so at the request of one of our good members, Mr. Creed Leffler, he brought it to our attention. Am I there? Yeah, okay. He brought it to our attention that YouTube has chosen to Um, remove a lot of cannabis content. And so I went ahead and did a little bit of investigation on that. And what we came up with was um, basically uh, we feel that our civil rights are being trampled upon. Many like-minded and well-meaning human beings heal with, use, grow, consume, cook with, share with, and just plain enjoy cannabis. Cannabis is a simple plant with a complicated governmental relationship. The simple plant has been mistreated by the USA for far too long. We know that there are no deaths from cannabis. That's none. That's zero, zip, nada, zilch. Yet the USA continues to allow thousands of deaths by not ending cannabis prohibition. There is currently a big pharma, and that's big, and that's Pharma with a P and harm, H-A-R-M. Interesting how that happens. So Big Harma has an induced opioid crisis, and they allow YouTube and Google ads for Big Pharma things, and yet they're not going to allow any for cannabis. So there's quite a few people on there. There's one called the Silenced Hippie. There's another gentleman called Indoor Tokers. Um, I started the petition. We've got about 27 signatures. Feel free to go to my YouTube page that you're watching right now and look around for the petition. And then the other thing that happened is um, I got somebody that answered me back. And he's a young gentleman that I went to church with. And um, he said he wasn't going to be able to sign my petition. So I asked him how come he wasn't. And Here's his answer. 
The first answer he gave me was, and this, this was painful, but I am going to say what he said because we need to know how other people think. He said, there's no legal precedent that should allow drugs to be aired on YouTube, which is a private platform which already suffers from viewer oversaturation. I feel this petition would make it harder for YouTube developers to gain ad revenue because of the weed market. I work with YouTube developers, so I'm not a fan of this. So I said, well, you know, all we're trying to do is educate people. We want to know how it would help us. We have a lot of people that heal. I use the uh, the medicine because I'm a stage three cancer survivor. One day, one prayer at a time, and a whole lot of cannabis. Yes, I did chemo. I did surgery. I did radiation. The plant's now keeping me alive. So I asked him to elaborate on his uh thoughts with us, and he said, to keep it simple, because here's what it is, people, it's all about the money. We knew that was going to happen. It's all about the money. It ain't got nothing to do with nothing else. To keep it simple, a private Internet video sharing provider has the right to determine what content can air and what violates their terms of agreement. So if I owned my own site, like Daily Motion, Vimeo, Instagram, I shouldn't have to adhere to a non-FCC regulation allowing cannabis-related content. And just before I did this, I made sure there's plenty of drunk videos on here. There's plenty of stupid videos on YouTube. Um, so the fact that people are trying to heal, like the video series The Sacred Plant or people being able to pick up the Sanjay Gupta weeds. So the logical alternative is for cannabis developers to start their own video sharing platform. Okay, so there's a challenge right there. Maybe he'd like to help us do that. He says, He's not against saving lives, but there are other alternatives. Well, there really aren't other alternatives, especially when you know people that are dying and doctors have washed their hands of them and said, no, go ahead and go find some hospice people to bury your butt. So we just try and help those people to live. So his bottom line is it makes it difficult to generate ad revenue since YouTube developers have to hit a minimum of 10,000 views before turning a profit. Yes, it is about the money because it pays for the whole party with shareholders, developers, vendors, and the ad market, and the YouTube content producers who already have a hard time turning a profit with the new YouTube rules. So it's all about the money. So what I would say is take a video, take it, take it with your camera, talk about cannabis, and post it to YouTube. Make a YouTube channel. When they shut that one down, make another one. In other words, we're not going anywhere, so just keep doing it. So please sign the petition, and please make your own YouTube video, and please don't shut up. Just keep talking. If we keep talking, eventually they're going to have to listen, so don't shut up. That's why I'm sitting in front of the camera instead of behind it. I'm tired of being quiet. So cannabis saves lives. It doesn't hurt anybody, and if you don't know that, on you. I'm out. There you go. <laughs> good job, Lisa. Thank you. All right. It's, it's, it's good. You know, Lisa is um, – She's raising herself up in her abilities and her comfort level and uh, in, in her overall performance is vice president of this organization, and she's uh, stepping into the role that I always knew she could in a very nice way. I'm very, very pleased. So we got Creed Leffler uh, coming up next, and Creed is um, – He's the guy that came aboard this show about, I don't know, a month ago, six weeks, something like that, and brought to our attention um, a petition that he had on, on uh, change.org, I think it was. And it was uh, the goal of it was to remove it from Schedule 1, um, 
and we we've talked about it and we've we've talked about it and we've talked about it and we've done regular campaigns for it we'll continue to do that um but then a couple of weeks ago he comes up and he tells us that we've got uh, this other issue where um YouTube is kicking off folks for cannabis content and you know this is again one of these things it's just kind of like the law in certain ways if the law is written as such that an act is illegal and you break that law you're technically a lawbreaker so what bad laws should be broken we talk about this ad, ad nauseum sometimes but if they tell you you can't grow a plant in your front yard or your backyard or your patio or, or your kitchen or wherever the hell you want to grow, <coughs> excuse me, I choked on that one. How dare you? You know, what gives you the right to tell me I can't grow a plant? Where does that right come from? You know, you're not, it comes from the health and safety code, really? Look at the rules that are supposed to apply to the health and safety code, because that's where all these laws come from. The the criminal code, there's standards for crimes. It doesn't meet any of these standards. And yet, we allow these laws not only to be passed, but we allow them to be enforced. And we, <coughs> as citizens, allow ourselves to be selected on juries or not. <coughs> and we allow people to be tried and convicted of these types of crimes. That's the crime to me. So the other side of this coin is what Lisa brought up. Yes, YouTube is a private entity. YouTube can do whatever the hell they want. Okay, they don't, they don't aren't bound by any rules that says they have to do what they want. It's just like if I post something on my Facebook page and I don't like your response, fuck you. I can take it off. It's not, I can censor anything I want on my own personal private page. Does that mean I should? If I'm if I'm allowing people to make money by publishing content, then I should probably be upfront about my agenda when I'm doing it. Because YouTube has brought out people think it's just like this free thing we get to do. People don't realize most of the time when they're posting on their YouTube channel and becoming YouTube famous that there's people making money off of YouTube, making big ass money. And that's what it all boils down to. We got to the bottom of it, just like we get to the bottom of all these cases. It always boils down to money. It will always boil down to money because money is power and power is influence, and that's what affects us all. So does that mean we can't do something about it? It means we can't legally do something about it, but it does mean that we can stand up and make our voices be heard. And so this petition that Lisa put together at Creed Leffler's behest, I think we got something like 25 or less than 30 signatures on it. I'm curious why. So we got Creed to come and tell us a little bit something about this. And uh, Creed, my friend, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank and, you. Uh, go ahead, Thank go ahead. You. Of course, of I'm, course. I was... I was wondering if we could say, say it again, say it, if you have the show, because she <coughs> is the main one that I was worried about. 
because she was she is a daily vlogger, so she created her business on YouTube. So I was wondering if we could invite her to the show. Oh, absolutely. I don't necessarily know how to reach her, but I am more than willing to give her a, a, an opportunity to speak on the show. Absolutely, of course. She, um, uh, she has a Twitter page. I know that. And she has a Facebook page. Okay, well, if somebody is able to... Uh, Get a hold of her um, I, and invite her to the show. I absolutely welcome her as a guest, and I will be glad to speak to her privately um, ahead of the show. I, I make myself available, Creed. I, I, I would hear, I would do whatever I can to support anybody who has uh, suffered because of any kind of discrimination or censorship or whatever kind of a, of a backslap you get from somebody who has something and controls you. I'm not big on any of that. I, I, I think that, you know, if you have an open forum where people get to kind of do what they want, um, you should be very clear about that you don't support these kind of things. And I'll bet you you'd watch that the support that you get diminishes, and I bet you would watch that another alternative would rise up and get strong. And I just think that they've kind of duped us and, and taken advantage of our goodwill um, and, and, and did just that. So, you know, sometimes bringing these things to people's attention can get a lot done. She had to go to Vimeo. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with her then. You're, you're piquing my interest here. She had to go to Vimeo, and I can't watch her video because... Because of my disability. Right, right, and that's and just I, not right. I used to watch her every day. Well, I I, I think that um, if we can give her a forum and maybe um, find a way that we can bring out, you know, she could probably do a Facebook live stream or some other way that, um, you know, unfortunately, you, ha you have an audience, and then they don't know where to find you. So um, I I'd be more than glad to help her, um, you know, connect with whatever audience that uh, we're able to. Uh, I'm here to help, Creed. I'm here to help. She's also on Twitch. Twitch. Twitch, okay. Twitch. Twitch is good. All right. I, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a um, – developmentally disabled when it comes to all this new new stuff. I'm, I'm barely stuck in Facebook, but I, I, I have the, the help of those that are much smarter and more talented than I that sort of drag me around through the muck of all this stuff. So uh, I'm going to rely on Lisa and some of the other uh, techie folks to, to guide me through this. But just realize that I'm more than willing, and uh, you show me the way. I'm glad to help. And I want to help her out because she got me 400 signatures in four 
I want to help her out because she got me 400 signatures in four days. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, I want to help her out because she's part of this uh, issue of prohibition. I want to help her out because she's doing good work, and those of us that do good work should stand together and help each other out. So that's where I'm at with it. Well, Creed, listen, I'm running low on time. I appreciate you being here. Um, I'm glad that you were able to get together with Lee. One more thing. I'll be okay. reading the message. Uh, I would like to thank Lisa Bildridge for creating a petition for all the cannabis YouTubers that were affected. I believe we have about 27 signatures as of right now. We could get that up to 300 tonight if we all work together. And as for my petition that I created, we have 6,281 signatures, I do believe. And I and I agree. Lisa will uh, post both of the petitions on this live feed, and I encourage you if you haven't already signed it. I've already signed them both, or I would sign them both again. But uh, I encourage you all if you haven't signed it, please do so. And uh, if you can share it, please do that. All right, Creed. Again, I appreciate you being part of this, and uh, we're we're here to help. I'll see what we can do about getting uh, the your guest on on the show next week. Bye, Creed. Okay, let's see what we got. Um, uh, Looks like we got George Martirano. Even though he hasn't been screened, I know that number. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up my buddy George, and uh, let's just see what he's got to say. George, um, Becca is overwhelmed with screening right now, and I know your number, so uh, I'm just going to go ahead and Give you the floor. This is George Martirano, lifetime member of the Human Solution, survivor, uh, life enthusiast, mentor, and uh, just an overall great guy. He's one of my, uh, we call each other cuz, but he's my brother from another mother. George Martirano, welcome to the show. Oh, <laughs> Becca swooped me. <laughs> oh, hold on here. <laughs> Uh, Becca, you gotta let him go. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Hold on here. I gotta just. No, oh, there we go. I'm taking him. Hello, Joe. George, you're live Joe. on the air. I had to wrangle you back from Becca. She, uh, she, she, she stole you away. I've given you an intro, but it's okay. Uh, okay, listen, <laughs> listen now. <laughs> The government can make the government can make errors. We can make us little people can make errors. Anyway, uh, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I miss my uh, my West Coast family. I miss you. I miss Liz. I miss everybody else. Uh, Kathy Z and everyone. Really, uh, BD and Kurtwood and all that. I really, really get, uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there and spending time with you. Don't think I don't want to. Don't think I don't want to. But just every day there's something I'm, you know, uh, I became, uh, I don't know, for no fault of my own, basically I became sort of like a person to uh, to understand. I don't I don't like to use the word look up to. I don't like to use the word leader. Just to the person that understands. And tonight uh, I like to talk, I like to go in another direction. Joe, could I go in another direction tonight? George, you can go anywhere you want on this show. I give you, I give you the well, reins. 
Uh, it just seems, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the last uh, few weeks, and I mean a few weeks, less than two months, I lost three loved ones uh, uh, from a heart attack. One, uh, one as young as 49. And, and the sad part about it, these three individuals died alone. So I did some research, and I came up with, uh, and I wish this on no one. Believe me, I only wish this on my worst enemy. And when a heart attack occurs and you're by yourself, there is a simple thing, if you can do it, if you can mentally do it through the pain, is actually you have to breathe very deep, in and out of your mouth, very deep, and cough as hard as you can, like you're getting, you know, some phlegm out of your chest. And breathe very deep and cough as hard as you can, ladies and gentlemen, because if you do that, if you do that, you can get the heart basically stimulated again where it starts to pump and pass on the heart attack. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it's 100% with every case, but there, there is a way to actually uh, help yourself when you're getting a heart attack. Like I said, this is a, a cannabis show. This is an advocate show that, uh, you know, we're really sincere about changing the laws of cannabis. But... <laughs> We're basically, we're human beings, and human beings, we have mental issues, mental, uh, 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 medical issues, I'm sorry, medical issues to address. And like I said, I lost three loved ones in a short period of time for heart attacks, and they all passed away alone. And, I, and then, like I said, I did research. So please heed, heed what I'm saying. You can look it up. God forbid if you're having a, a heart problem, heart attack, Breathe very deep, rapidly through your mouth, and cough as hard as you can. Cough as hard as you can. I, I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it, but I did the research. And, you know, maybe maybe it can make the difference so you can be there to continue in your life, continue with your loved ones, etc. Back to you, Joe. Well, you know, George, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting thing that as we're going through life and we're learning and sharing and talking and teaching that if – you had the opportunity by just saying this to the listeners here that one person was affected and one person, you know, in the next several days or weeks uh, found themselves having a, a chest pain or a pain in their arm and they started feeling lightheaded and thought, hey, wait a minute, I remember hearing this and they tried it and it worked. If one person did that one time, it, it would be an amazing thing. So, you know, that's the that's the important part. You talk about all the time that we just have to keep talking. We just have to keep reaching out to folks and, and sharing what we're learning and, and, and um, just, just communicating. So, as always, I, I appreciate, um, you know, your sharing your life's journey and your lessons that you find along the way, and uh, you just have a great way about telling it. And, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, a, week from, a week from now. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, we have our itinerary. We got our roller skates on, and we'll be headed down the highway to see my uh, my West Coast buddy Joe. Uh, matter of fact, uh, since I know the meeting scheduled, and it's just it's just a meeting of friendship, just a hug and say how you doing. Uh, I've been smiling exactly. about it. That's what all life's about, everyone out there. I'm thinking about it's it. The little, gonna, gonna the little things that make you smile. Little things that make you smile. So. So when that ashtray's not too far away and there's something there that can make you smile, use it. <laughs> it's so true. And anyway, remember, yeah. laugh medicine. Anytime you can find a way to laugh, 
Um, it, it's, it's the best medicine. It heals you. And even smiling, I've been studying about the brain and neural pathways and neurotransmitters, and it turns out that when you smile, you create neural pathways in your brain yep. that make it easier to smile. And, and, and it's, it's, it's true science. So smile, folks. <laughs> Give it right, a shot. Right, right. Smile. Smile. I mean, I smiled, every, I smiled every morning at one at your house, and I administrated myself and ran through them hills, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, you did. You just got to remember, don't run downhill. <laughs> 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 All right, my brother. Okay. Always a pleasure. All right, uh, folks. All right, take care. We'll see you next take care. You bet. George Marcelino. All right, very good, very good. All right, so we're gonna be uh, wrapping the show up here. We got um, Tom Corby with the NorCal Report to close her down. Tom Corby, it's all you, live on the air. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Joe. The Coffee Party Radio Show. Becca, Lisa, Mary, all those on the front lines coming together to finally end prohibition. Free all our POWs. In Northern California, uh, not a bra- man of brevity. Uh, <laughs> we want to first welcome Puerto Rico and uh, all those. Uh, chapters or 50 chapters international now so the world's listening uh, I brought up the uh, the Budins uh, last week Mike Bonnie Budin uh, of uh, wheat, uh, wheat country uh, the updates are uh I believe that what's happening, we're still getting updates, is that they've uh, they've gone to Pretty Limb and gone on to Raymond. Now, Joe, I want to ask a question here. Generally, that's the sequence, that when you're bound over for Raymond, uh, then uh, from prelim, uh, then the game's on. Now... Joseph totally uh, brought all that out. And before that, everything's zero. Uh, what you're doing is you're filing your 995 dismissed probable cause motion, uh, which uh, I'm advising, uh, requesting, advocating all the Budens, uh, all defendants, uh, and bring, take them on to a speedy trial like Nick Moran and Frank Canan here with me today again. Bill knows them well. Uh, they had 20 pounds. They're from Oregon, basically. Uh, they had firearms. So uh, that, that's always a tougher road to hold when you have uh, firearms included. Um I have their update here from the team of Grace Farms, uh, a picture of them, and uh, the update, uh, uh, yeah, somewhere on my saved messages. Uh, 
Don't forget to breathe. <laughs> uh, I, I want, uh, I, I'm going to get back to that. I, I lost the uh, my saved message on their update, but we do have a, a hell of a team. The way I understand it, is that correct? That's right, Joe. It is, and then Joe will tell you that's a really tough road to hold when you're fighting the feds. They always bring in. Uh, Schedule one drug. They don't allow the evidence in. Kind of like uh, Len Keaton and Sue, Peggy Sue's uh, case. Uh, they're not letting all the evidence in. What evidence there is, there is, is generally uh, uh, only circumstantial. That's a good point, Joe. Uh, letters for Glenn Keaton. Uh, the reason I'm kind of spaced out here, I just finished his letter. Uh, to the judge, uh, I want to go ahead and read it here. I like to cut these letters to the chase, uh, keep them to brevity to one page. Uh, also, not only send them to the judge, also send them to the defendant. We'll send them to Glenn and Peggy Sue to share with their attorneys. Also, to get it to that DA. Uh, always, uh, I like to start my letter to Honorable Judge Jeffrey R. Ingraham, uh, Court of Common Pleas, 101 Main Street, Selena, Ohio, 45822, from Tom and Donna Corby, NorCal, Human Solution International, Oroville, California. Uh, the subject is Glenn Keaton and Peggy Sue Kimmel, request for dismissal. Uh, attention, Judge Ingraham, and to who it may concern, Please consider our request to dismiss Glenn Keeling and Peggy Sue Kimmel for it's our understanding that they were under compliance and stand within the GROW guidelines. Moreover, it seems that the DA has no real direct evidence, rather only circumstantial. Uh, again, Joe, uh, we're winning a lot of these cases uh, with circumstantial evidence, and therefore, Reasonable doubt plays a big role in a jury trial. Uh, furthermore, probable cause is, is in question, and there's no victim. How can there be a crime? Glenn and Peggy Sue are not a threat to society, but rather assets, and we will vouch for that. That all being said, please consider our plea for dismissal. Thank you. Respectfully, Tom and Donna Corley. Uh, you can uh, start a letter today, and uh, there's nothing like these letters. Uh, also, it not only helps uh, defendants uh, win their cases and have them dismissed, but it uh, gives the defendants like Glenn and Peggy Sue uh, more confidence in winning their case and carrying on with their life. Uh, uh, Eddie Lapp, I'm going to bring up today. Uh, we were honored, uh, Brent and I, Nick, uh, to be at his uh, 66th birthday party in housewarming at Clear Lake, California, which is beautiful. Uh, a lot of you may not know Eddie Lapp goes way back with the human solution. Uh, he's so thankful, Joe, for all the letters and raising money for. Uh, his commissary 
Uh, people that uh, I want to know, if they don't know, he spent seven and a half years in federal prison. Uh, uh, while he was in prison, uh, his property up at uh, Clear Lake got burned out. He lost everything he had. Uh, now he's uh, come back strong. He's got a beautiful place up there. It was honored to be there for Eddie left. And uh, when I gave him uh, his gifts, uh, I, was, I put a couple ribbons in there right away, put that solidary ribbon on, and he's definitely there for the human solution. Uh, I want to thank everybody today uh, coming together and helping to be the solution. And yes, we're volunteers. <laughs> we're not going to make any money. This costs us money. And, and uh, that's okay, too. We're just glad that we uh, come back from our our bus seven years ago. We've recovered thanks to many helpers, like Frank and Nick here helping me, and uh, all standing on the ground, coming together in solidarity. I want to thank Joe today and Bobby Rodrigo, always Coffee Party Radio Show, another historical show. And don't forget to breathe. Thank you, Joe. You bet. Tom Corby, the iconic Tom Corby warrior extraordinaire and friend of mine. Brother from another mother. Amazing guy, Tom, and his lovely wife, Donna. And all the team up there at Happy Hill. I'm so pleased to be part of your world and so pleased to have been able to fight along your side and continue to do so. We are an all-volunteer organization, and we stand up and do the right thing because it's the right thing, and many times we do this, uh, you know, that old adage, no good deed goes unpunished, comes in and spanks you, and there's been many times over the years that people have, you know, joined up with the organization been part of the organization, and then somehow had a tiff with one of the members or got offended or started doing their own, whatever it was. And I had my heart a little broken the other day by one of our members who was, uh, you know, acting as in somewhat of a leadership role at one point. But he had a disagreement on a specific point, and I don't want to get into details about it, but, you know, I want everybody to realize that I don't give a fuck about anything that we don't have in common. What I do give a fuck about is that we're all standing here, whether we realize it or not, either victims or potential victims of prohibition in the drug war and when we let our differences get in the way of our effort to end this I see our enemies winning I see those that get glory and, and, and joy from oppressing us smile licking their lips looking at us as food and fodder and watching us be our own demise. 
And when a conversation that began as a request for help devolved into the race card (laughs) of all things, I, I just, you know, I had to walk away and say, you know, I can't do this anymore with you. I can't be part of this conversation anymore. And like I said, it broke a little bit of my heart because I've spent a lot of time with this person. I was there for this person when... And that's what we do. And, and, and for any one of us who claims to be part of the solution, hopefully the human solution, to say, I'm not going to help you because I disagree with some point of view that you have, I don't know, I just, I just struggle with that. And so I, I, I'm going to ask you all, everybody who's listening to this show, to, to look down inside yourself and say to yourself, what... Is it about me or anybody that's near you that you disagree with that would keep you from helping us end prohibition? And if so, why? Don't you want freedom? Imagine a world where you could put a plant out in your front yard, not in some little tent in your back room, where you could grow a thousand plants if you wanted to, where you could set up a still and make some oil and make some cookies and pills and whatever the hell you wanted because it's just like chamomile, just like tomatoes, it's just like any other thing that it is like. And think to yourself, how do they get the power to take this away from me? And why did I let that happen? And why are you okay with it? Are you okay with having to pay exorbitant taxes and fees and regulations and restrictions about something that we all can do, each one of us. And if you don't know how to do it, I'll teach you. And what is it that would keep you from being able to do that? That's all I want to leave you with. Reach inside and see if you can answer that question. And if you can't, come and help us, for God's sake. All right, folks, I appreciate everybody that's been part of the show. Becca, thank you so much for coming in and saving the day. We need to send a search party out for Mary. Hopefully she's all right, and uh, I want to thank Lisa for stepping up, mm-hmm. not only producing the show, but coming in and co-hosting, thank Glenn you. Keeling for being a warrior, Creed Leffler for standing up and and uh, continuing to fight for what's right, and of course Tom Corby and George Martirano, <coughs> and everybody else. <coughs> I want to thank you all for being a part of this, and I think we'll see you next week. I'm going to do what I can to bring the live show, otherwise... We'll do a rerun, and we'll catch you in two weeks. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my